I'm Joe Kianese of EP Financial Solutions, a division of Entertainment Partners. And I, along with my colleague John Hattity, would like to welcome you all to the New York Lounge. The New York Lounge is sponsored by the New York Production Alliance. And we're coming to you live from the Sundance Film Festival. So welcome, everyone. We're here to celebrate independent film. And so with that said, welcome to the state of the slate. We're going to be discussing independent film and how these independent film producers have gotten their films financed by utilizing state incentives. This panel is being brought to you by EP Financial Solutions in association with Variety 411, the Producers Guild of America, the Association of Film Commissions International, and Oakwood Worldwide. Oakwood Worldwide provides housing in the U.S. and around the world for television uh, and film cast and crew. This panel will also be broadcast as a webinar at uh, www.variety411.com. And that's going to be on Thursday, January 29th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. So during this panel, we're going to be profiling five films premiering in the festival, two from California, one Northern California, one Southern California. We have a Texas film, a Louisiana film, and a New York film. So I'm really excited to be talking about these. So as I said, we're lucky enough not only to have the producers of the films here, but film commissioners or other uh, experts who can help us talk about what different jurisdictions have to offer in terms of financing opportunities. As I mentioned earlier, on the panel we have John Hattity. So not only is John my colleague at Entertainment Partners, but uh, John's also going to be here representing New York State, the New York State Incentive. And John comes to us with about 20 years of uh, financing experience, with 12 at uh, Miramax. And John and I were actually really lucky to work together when I was at the Walt Disney Company. So I can say firsthand that John is really high when it comes to identifying creative uh, financing opportunities. Uh, so representing New York State filmmakers in the film, 10,000 States, we have producer Celine Rattray. Celine is, <coughs> excuse me, Celine has produced over 30 independent films, including 12 Sundance Film Festival selections, five Toronto Film Festival selections, and one Berlin International Film Festival selection. She won a Golden Globe and received an Oscar nomination for the 2010 hit film, The Kids Are All Right. Premiering this year at Sundance, we have 10,000 Saints, produced by Celine Rattray, which follows a young teenager from Vermont who moves in with his father in New York City's East Village during the 1980s. So Celine, tell us more about the film. Obviously, New York is a, a major part of the film, so I like to ask this question because, you know, since we're talking about incentives and for a very long time, producers were going to Toronto to substitute for New York. Was that ever in your mind, or was New York so critical that you were would be in New York no matter what? It was never discussed on this film, because this, this film is uh, it's, it's based on a book called 10,000 Saints. It's a really beloved book, and it's set in New York in uh, the Lower East Side in the late 80s, and there was really nowhere else that you could shoot it. Um, the challenge on this movie is New York, Lower East Side, has changed so much in those 25 years that we, what we needed to do is really transform the Lower East Side, so add graffiti, put trash everywhere, and Bring make it look. Grunge. Exactly. Um, the other part of the book is, and the, and the other part of the movie is based in Vermont, because it's the story of a young boy who leaves Vermont to come to live with his dad in, uh, in New York. So there was a lot of discussion about Vermont and where we would, would shoot the Vermont sections, and we really wanted to keep it close, both for the incentive and then also for the convenience for the actors and the crew. So we ended up shooting in Ossining, and faking Vermont um, in Ossining. Oh, wow. Um, but there was really never any discussion uh, of shooting elsewhere. And typically, in our company, we, we're, based, we're all based in New York, and we try and make as many films as possible in New York. So our general conversation, whenever we have something, whether it's set in the Arctic Circle or in Hawaii, is how can we shoot it in New York and make it look like, a, like Hawaii? That's great. 
So can you talk a little bit more about the, the crews in New York and uh, the other resources available to you as a filmmaker? Yeah, I'm we, we love shooting in New York for so many different reasons. I love the energy of the city, the look of the city, but one of the things that is, is really critical in these movies is, is the, cr the crew and the cast. And um, the, the crew in New York is extraordinary. We very rarely bring in people. We occasionally bring in, if there's a cinematographer someone loves, you know, from the UK or from LA, we'll, we'll bring someone in. But the majority of our crew is, is New York-based, and the New York-based crew love to sleep at home, so they're happy to be working on a movie that doesn't send them elsewhere. And then the acting community is really extraordinary, and we tend to have, you know, for a day player part, this you know, great Broadway performer, and try and shoot him out on the Monday, and you have access to just such a great acting pool that it's really, you know, f for me, it's the very best place to shoot. I have a question. So this is, this is, what, I, this is, this is what I love about you, because you are the most New York-centric producer that I know. You have faked Texas in New York, right? So you th people think about New York and they think, well, New York City, the Empire State Building, the Tappan Zee Bridge, or the, you know, all the stuff in the New York skyline, right? You have faked half of the cities in this country in New York. Will you tell a little bit, just, just kind of run down the list of the places that you've, sh that you've faked in New York? Um, well, the, w I think you're right that people just think about New York City. When you when you drive around New York State, there's so many different topographies and so many different looks that you can actually fake different parts of the country, you know, and you just need imagination and, and a good location manager. Um, but one of the films that we made, Diminished Capacity, was set in the Midwest, so it was really meant to be kind of Chicago in the Chicago area, and we shot that in New York. We made a movie called Watching the Detectives, which was shot in Austin, and that was a challenge to recreate because we needed to bring the kind of hip Austin vibe to New York, but we figured out how to do that. So really on, on every film, we, our, first, um, our, our first initial reaction is how do we make this in New York? And I love that, because I started off by asking you, did you ever think of doing New York and Toronto? And now we're talking about how New York can be so many other places, which is really great. Actually. Uh, right. We, we, we've only ever had, so we, we made one movie with the studio, and um, it was a Harlem story, called, um, and on that movie, we were really, really pushed to shoot in Toronto, and they ran budgets, and I think it, was, it ended up being maybe a little advantageous to shoot in Canada, but we fought so hard, to, and we also felt like Harlem could not be faked anywhere else. So we kind of have double, sta double standards because we feel like New York could be faked anywhere else, but right. the reverse is not doable. Well, I guess what makes it easy for a filmmaker to keep a project now in New York is the incentive. Yeah. So why don't we talk a bit about your experience with the incentive, and then maybe John can tell us a little bit more about details of it, and then opportunities that the incentive gives you outside of the New York City area in terms of going to upstate New York as well. Um, well, the incentives are really critical to production today because uh, I've been making films for the last decade and the cost of production have gone up um, every year in, in, in those 10 years and yet the value of these films keeps going down and it's harder than ever to do pre-sales um, and the US market is you know, tougher than ever. So these incentives really, for us, they make the difference between the movie happening and the movie not happening and you know, the, the million dollars that you can get on a $5 million film if you didn't have that amount, then the movie couldn't go into production. Um, so it's 30% of qualified costs, which is most below the line cost. Um, we borrow, in most cases, from East-West Bank against the, um, against the rebate, and they're very easy to deal with and very quick and you know, kind of easy on the legal front. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a really important part of how we put these movies together and has made the difference between the movies happening or not. So John, maybe you can talk a little bit more about the New York credit process. And what, again, what else New York State offers in terms of the post-production credit and the benefits of shooting upstate? Sure. I, I mean, the great thing about the New York credit is that it's, it's there until 2019. Mm -hmm. So there's no chance that they're going to run out of money, which is wonderful. So you're not going to get left at the altar. And as we've seen in the past, um, 
it will probably be 2017 when the state revisits the credit and decide, makes a de decision whether or not they're going to actually renew the, the program, and I'm sure they will, because right now there are 26 shows shooting on the ground in New York. New York has never been busier. And pilot season is starting in March and April, and, and there will really, if, everyone will be working. So it's, that's wonderful. Um, the, there's a great infrastructure in New York. The process is tried and true. It's the only thing that's been problematic, which the state has now addressed, is it, it was taking 18 months from the time you finished spending money in New York and you filed your final application. They, there was such a backlog that it was taking 18 months for the state to actually review your application, even just get to it, open the envelope. And, um, and then it probably took six to eight weeks to actually get the certificate because they did go through your entire general ledger and look at every expense. And, and they had questions and things. And, and the process took a long time. Well, they've addressed that. And now they've introduced um, an option for producers. And I suspect that independent producers will probably continue to let the state audit their final application. But you do have the choice of going with an independent CPA. They have to be on the approved list of CPA firms. And there are about a dozen right now. And we learned last night that the state is going to reopen that list probably in another couple of months and see if there are more CPA firms that they'll approve to do an agreed upon procedures audit. Um, <clears throat> but the, the thinking here is that they will have an agreed upon procedures audit. Everyone will use the same rules. They'll all use the same process when they look at your final application. And hopefully it'll cut that 18 months down to nine months initially because they'll be sharing the work with another audit, with, with audit firms. And, and the long-term goal is to get this down to three to six months, which is where it was originally. And when you're borrowing against the credit, we lend against the credit as well because we, <clears throat> we think there's a lot of certainty in the New York credit, so we're very happy to lend against these credits. Um, but, you know, I feel bad for the producers because they're paying interest the entire time the loan's outstanding. So <clears throat> we're, we've been working with the state very diligently to make sure that the, the process is corrected and the, and the time frame is, is considerably less. So we're, we're really happy about that. Um, <clears throat> starting this year, January 1st, they offered an additional 5% as a reward, basically, for going north and west of Albany. You know, they're, they're, the, the entire state supports the credit. All the legislators in the state support the credit, but there are legislators up in Buffalo and Rochester and Schenectady and Troy that supported this credit, but they also want to see that, they're, that they, they didn't support this in vain and that not all the work was going to New York City. So you get a bump. You get a 5% bump if you take the credit north or west of Albany and you get an additional 10% on top of that if you hire locally. So if you hire somebody from Buffalo to work in Buffalo, you could get 45% back on every dollar you pay the guy. That's pretty great. You know, there are a couple of things in the post-production only credit that do count, um, <clears throat> that, that normally would not count um, if you did 100% of the work in, in, um, in New York, and one of them is the composer. So if you're, the composer normally doesn't count when you <coughs> excuse me, when you do all the work in New York. But if you're going for the post-only credit, the wages that you pay the composer, which is substantial, that's a substantial part of the post-production budget, that will count toward the credit. And again, if you hire a composer from Rochester, it's 45 cents back on every dollar you pay the guy. And Celine, I, I assume you did your post as well in New York, which, which again, you didn't have to get a separate credit, but producers can actually <coughs> film elsewhere. And John and I have worked on several projects where they've actually shot in Canada or even in Georgia, but brought their, their, their post to New York. So the post-only credit, which again, 
is up to 35%, right? It's 30 if you're in the city and 35 if you're outside the, the metropolitan area, so it's also quite lucrative. We're looking at a movie right now that hopefully will happen this year that's um, shooting in Jordan, and we've, we've um, run the numbers for post or really all over in the UK and various places, and, and New York makes the most sense for us. Okay, I love hearing that. So, Celine, is there anything else you want to share about either the film or your experience in New York before we, we jump over to Louisiana? Um, one of the most fun um, shoots I've ever had in New York was a movie called New York, I Love You, where we picked uh -huh. 13 filmmakers, and every filmmaker was assigned a different, um, a different area in New York and asked to come up with a story, basically, for that area in New York. And that was really our love letter to New York, and it was just really fun to shoot in the different neighborhoods and, and capture the feel of, of New York as a whole. Great. John, anything else you want to share about in terms of what we do for our clients in terms of New York-based issues that we've either come across that we might want to share? No, not really. We finance. Right. Not, but nothing really. But the we do tax credit administration work. But I think that's about We do tax credit placement. <laughs> <laughs> the issue you addressed was timing. It yeah, it is about timing, yeah. And we, we, hold, we hold your hand. If you, if you are actually working with the New York credit, frankly, if you're working with any credit in any jurisdiction, I mean, we'll hold your hand. We'll do the heavy lifting for you. We'll guide you through the process. And we actually, you know, as we, we talk to all the, all the film commissions on a regular basis. We have a relationship with them. We make sure that we understand be <laughs> better than probably anybody how the, right. the tax credits work in all the different jurisdictions. So, and we do finance these credits, which is really quite wonderful. Right. Great. Well, thanks. Well, we're going to move over to Louisiana. And so I'm going to start <laughs> by saying we have uh, Carol Morton. For, uh, manager of the Entertainment Industry Development uh, Department for the City of New Orleans on our panel. And then representing uh, Louisiana filmmakers and the film Mississippi Grind, we have the executive producer Jeremy Kip Walker. As manager of Entertainment Industry Development for the City of New Orleans, Carol works to assist in attracting film industry businesses and investment in the city, supports industry education and programming, and partners with local nonprofits and other organizations to produce film industry workforce training programs. Jeremy is a New York-based film producer and director. In addition to Mississippi Grind, Jeremy's credits include It's Kind of a Funny Story and Half Nelson. His credits also include the HBO projects Doll and M, Maria Full of Grace, Everyday People, and Angel Rodriguez. Jeremy recently directed his first feature film, The History of Future Folk. Premiering at Sundance, Mississippi Grind follows a down-on-his-luck man who is befriended by a charismatic poker player. The two take to the road in an attempt to reclaim what's been lost. So Jeremy, I have to ask the question. Mississippi Grind, <laughs> and you filmed it in, in Louisiana. So I, didn't right. get, I didn't see the movie, but I understood it premiered last night. Did you get in to see your movie or not? I did. I ultimately okay. got, got okay. scored two tickets. So I was heard great. as a filmmaker <laughs> that he wasn't guaranteed a seat at his own screening. So it was, it was a hot ticket. Uh, you know, the third act of the film takes place in New Orleans. It's a road trip from Iowa down the Mississippi River. And so we always knew that uh, a, a part of the film was going to be shot there. And the question was how much? And so we started scouting all throughout the state. Initially um, in, in Shreveport, we went up to Baton Rouge we, in New Orleans. And the question was, can we find all of the interior locations that we need to double for St. Louis, for, for Dubuque, for Memphis? Can we find that all here? Uh, we're still going to you know, have a road component to, to the shooting where we're going to have exteriors and things like that. And, and the answer was yes. We found everything that we needed in the state, which was phenomenal. And um, it was a wonderful experience. I'm, I'm based in New York. It was my first shoot in Louisiana. It was great to escape the... Uh, world's worst winter in New York City in, in 2014, and, and uh, it was a great experience. 
And we, we did the post credit in New York in as New York. well. Oh, great. Yeah. And was the entire movie shot, other than post, in, in, in Louisiana? Uh, I would say about 90% of it. So we, we scaled down our, our team and then did a, a road unit with the actors. Because it is a road movie and we needed a lot of driving and things like that. So we timed it with Mardi Gras. So we said, okay. all right, Mardi Gras coming to town. We're getting out of here. And we, we kind of drove down the Mississippi and, and got all that part of the shoot. Did you end up going into another state which you could tap into another incentive program possibly? Yes, we were able to tap into Mississippi oh, as well. And the benefit of Mississippi is, um, you know, it's, it's, a very, it's only a 50 grand spend mm -hmm. to, right. to actualize that, exactly. so that was great for us. And what about the crew base in Louisiana? I know that it's a very, very busy state, so how's the crew base? Phenomenal. I mean, we brought five people in, and wow. they were really just people that had worked on the filmmakers' other films. You know, they're, they're key creatives. But we had no problem crewing up. It was we were a little nervous. We were a smaller film, um, and you know, right after was Jurassic Park, and and uh, Terminator was coming in. So we were definitely the little guy in town. But we accessed a lot of the Dallas Buyers Club team. Um, great, great film community, and people really wanted to work on a passion project. You know, sometimes on these bigger films, you don't have the access to the filmmakers, you don't have that direct experience, so we were a little uh, apprehensive about if we were able to compete with these bigger projects, and we absolutely were. And, and part of that was timing, too, because right. we were just, just ahead of those guys. And did you say you were in Baton Rouge, or were you in New Orleans? Primarily New Orleans. We did shoot three days in Baton Rouge as well, and we were, uh, there's also a great crew base there, which we were able to um, bring some of those people on for, for that unit as well. What about stages? Was it all locations? Were you on stages? And how were the stages? All locations, yeah. Okay, the, the, and that was a big part of it is, you know, there's so much great texture to Louisiana, you know, and we had a great locations team and they were showing us, you know, it's a great way to travel is when you're, when you're location scouting because you end up in these places that you'd otherwise never be. And it's, uh, there's, there's tons of really interesting places there. Okay. So, Carol, maybe you can just talk a little bit more about the, the incentive program in general. And, and then, Jeremy, we can come back to you and talk about, as a filmmaker, what you did especially to maximize your incentive. Um, the Louisiana um, Motion Picture Investor Tax Credit um, was established in 2002. And since 2002, the tax credit has really strengthened and increased. We've never had a reduction. Um, we're now at 30% for all spend in the state of Louisiana and an additional 5% for Louisiana crew. Um, it's been a really simple, I think, relatively easy program to deal with. Um, it has been consistent. Uh, and I think the consistency has really helped in the confidence in the industry that we've had to attract productions. We also have no cap. So a production coming in in February is the same as a production coming in in December. Um, we have a tremendous amount of support for the film industry in general in the state of Louisiana. So we have filming in Shreveport. We have filming in Baton Rouge. We have fil filming in other parts of the state. The lion's share of the filming is done in New Orleans, and I think... Um, we are very fortunate in that because the lion's share of the filming has taken place in the city of New Orleans, that we have been able to grow an amazing crew base. I mean, we have uh, an amazing depth of crew and experienced crew. I mean, we're very comfortable with crewing up eight or nine productions at any given time. We have a crew base that is also very diverse. Um, as Jeremy said, we have a crew base that is like, very comfortable with working on low-budget films, on mid-budget films, on television series, on tentpole productions. Um, in fact, a lot of our crew is really happy when smaller-budget films are, are being shot because they do find that to be a very different experience than shooting on a tentpole production. So um, we've had just a great experience with our productions coming in, utilizing our tax credits. 
the growth of the industry in New Orleans and the strength of our crew base has really allowed productions to maximize the use of the tax credits because I think most of it is spent on local crew. I mean, any given crew in New Orleans is probably pretty comfortable crewing up at about 80 to 90 percent. And in television series, we're as high as 95 percent on crews. So, Carol, let me ask you a question because Jerry mentioned this as it related to Mississippi. Minimum mm -hmm. spend was is 50,000. Very easy for uh -huh. an independent filmmaker. What about, is it 300,000? 300,000 right. in Louisiana. Which is also relatively low. It's relatively low. I mean, there's been some discussion about lowering the, the uh, threshold, but we've done really well at $300,000. So it's 30 to 35 percent, 35 percent on residents. It's on all spend. Yes. Uh, above the line, uh, below the line, which is yes. critical. It's one of the things we didn't yes. bring up with New York, which is a yeah. they don't allow above the line, which hasn't really hurt the program, but that's one distinction to, to point out. Yes. Um, but you mentioned New Orleans, but aren't there regional incentives as well? Yes. So New Orleans does not offer a regional incentive, but um, some of the, our other jurisdictions do offer incentives. Um, the incentives are as high as 5 percent. So it encourages you to really film in other parts of the state. And Jeremy talked about the texture of the locations and the city of New Orleans, which has an incredible diversity of architecture, an incredible diversity of looks. In fact, um, I just saw a, a movie last night that was uh, shot for South Florida, um, 99 Homes. And it was just really amazing because you never saw anything that really looked like New Orleans in the film at all. Um, you know, we've, we've stood in, I mean, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, we stood in for San Francisco, which is also quite amazing. Um, so we have stood in, I mean, we've stood in for, uh, all, located with the Caribbean, we've stood in for, uh, for the Twilight films, we stood in for Europe, we stood in for I Italy, which, you know, New Orleans is a really good fit if you want to really identify a European location, we've got that in spades. So Jeremy, as a filmmaker, what did you do to make sure you were able to maximize? <coughs> Yeah, it sounds great. You were able to hire. It sounds like you were able to hire mostly locals, which is great. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of it. I mean, the when you're running the different budget scenarios, I've, I've shot a lot in New York as well. It, you're looking at crew base. You're looking at above the line spend versus below the line spend. You know, um, New York is a full cash return. Uh, the, the Louisiana, you're, you're discounting. You know, it's, uh, because you have to, it's a transferable right, tax transferable credit, credit. Uh, which is backed at 85 percent, which is great too. They set a floor value of the credit, so. Uh, that that's important to know going in that that there's a real market for it. Sometimes you hear did these hard. Did you sell your credit, or did you go work through the state? Uh, we are in the in we were able to broker it through the state. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, and the the um, so the benefit of that though is is you know comparing all these things and a lot of it uh, for us we were shooting in the winter so we needed to be somewhere in the south so that was that was helpful. We knew that the project actually called to be there so we didn't have to actually double that much for it except for you know the earlier sequences in the project. But really, crew base is the thing. You know, um, Ohio looks really interesting to me as a credit right now, but I'm not sure how much crew base is actually there yet. It seems like it's growing. And the other thing for the, the filmmakers was cast. You know, you know that there's phenomenal actors for the day players in New York, and that was the other bit that we were a little bit concerned about, but um, we've, we've had wonderful actors come to the table in the auditions. And Carol, one of the things you and I were talking before we started the panel was what is New Orleans doing or is the state doing to continue to develop crew base? Um, actually, I do workforce development for the city of New Orleans, and we have a um, full workforce development program. So we work with our local union to identify where we have gaps in our crew base and where we really need to, uh, to develop workforce training programs. We do short-term workforce training programs. We do training programs in order to enhance people's skill sets so that they can maybe move up in a crew. Um, we've been tremendously successful with that. Um, in fact, we have a um, film, a, a 
television series that is coming in. It's an HBO series, and they are actually partnering with us to um, pay to hire interns that we have trained. So that's one of the things that we're looking more toward is partnering with productions so that the people that we train can actually have something of a guaranteed job, or at least a certain percentage of our trainees might get hired on a, on a film. Um, the state, from the state's perspective, one of the things that we're looking at very strongly is how to uh, develop training programs in our community colleges. I'm working with two community colleges in the New Orleans area to look at short-term workforce training programs so that we could train grip and electric, we can train hair and makeup. Um, we have a, a tremendous interest in developing extended workforce training programs. I would also like to take the training program that I've developed at the city and maybe move it permanently into one of our um, community colleges. But we, it, it's amazing, but we've been able to keep the pace. And the productions that come, we always say they either leave people behind or they give our crew an ex uh, much more experience. So we've been able to meet the demand. We have nine um, television series and films, which will begin shooting in March and April. And we're very comfortable that we can correct for all of those. So one point I want to go back to that, that Celine brought up and John brought up as well as, as independent film producers and the incentive, the, the availability of actually cash flowing these up front as we mentioned, Louisiana is transferable. The state guarantees you 85%. You might be able to sell at 86, 87. But John, do you want to talk a little bit more about the, the transfer process, what we do as a firm in terms of helping clients actually broker those credits? But again, a little bit more about what we do from a financing perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as a rule of thumb, just you know, kind of to keep everybody honest, if you're, if you're actually borrowing against the credit, if you're working in a state that's a refundable credit where you actually get 100 cents on the dollar back from the state, on your credit, if you're if you're borrowing against that, you should probably walk away with somewhere between 80 and 85 cents on the dollar, net, net, net. After all the expenses, after legal fees, after you know loan fees, after all that stuff, that's that's probably where you should end up. And if you're not ending up with that, then somebody's making too much money off of you. If you're working in a in a transferable state like Louisiana, where you're you you actually um, sell the credit. And, and in Louisiana, it's 85 cents on the dollar. But, but in some states, we're getting in the low 90s. You know, ni we've gotten as high as 94 cents, I think, on, on some of the credits in some of the other states. Um, you know, when, in those transferable states, again, if you're, because you're selling the credits at a discount, you should be walking away with somewhere between 70 and 75 cents on the dollar. Again, if, if you're not, then you're paying too much for that money. So. You know, we, I, I like to say that to keep everybody honest and keep everybody kind of on the same playing field. Um, that being said, if your credit is, is a large credit, and, and when I say large, I mean in the millions of dollars, um, you'll probably walk away with considerably more um, cash uh, against the credit. And that's because a lot of the costs that you pay um, in these financing transactions are fixed costs. You know, the legal fees at some point, they're going to cap out. And at some point, the loan fee is going to cap out. At some point, you know, the interest component is, is probably going to even off a little bit. So if the credit is considerably larger, you'll walk away with more cash on the dollar. The, in the placement area, we, we actually have a very kind of unique situation. Um, we're a big company. And big companies like to do business with big companies. And so for, for the privilege of actually being able to do business with a large company, and, and know that you know, we, we have a lot, we've, we're very um, concerned about reputational risk. 
So we make sure, and that's why we do do tax credit administration work. We want to make sure that, that we have our fingerprints on the credit. We want to make sure that it's not tainted. We want to make sure that it's a very clean credit that we're actually selling to our clients that are tax cre credit buyers. So um, for the privilege of actually being able to get a hold of a credit that may have a five to seven year tail on it, where, where you know, these large corporations are doing their tax credit planning five years in advance. Well, w they pay us a fee to actually do that. So the, the producer doesn't. So when we tell a producer you're gonna get 90 cents on the dollar for your credit, that's what you're gonna get. You're gonna get 90 cents on the dollar. We're not gonna carve anything out of that credit as a fee for us, like a lot of our competitors do. That being said, we're not doing this for free, but we've negotiated with our buyers a, a price a, and actually a, a fee for actually being able to bring them these credits in advance. I don't know that there's anybody else out there working in the space that has that same kind of arrangement, and I think that that only helps the producer. I really do, and I also think that because our, our client base, the people that are actually buying these credits, know that these credits are clean, they're willing to pay a little bit more for them. Okay. So Jeremy, before we move on to, to Texas, do you want to share anything more about either the film itself or your experience in, in Louisiana, or maybe comparing Louisiana to, to other jurisdictions where you filmed? I mean, New Orleans is, is a very easy place. To, you, when you live in New York, you, it's, it's hard to live other places, and, and New Orleans from New York is a very easy transition. You know, it's, it's one of these rare places where you just feel the history and the culture in a way that you do in New York, and, and, it's, a, and it's a place where cast wants to be, you know, which is also really helpful for us, and very easy to attract cast when you're not paying them to a fun city. So um, it was great. It was a very positive experience. Great. Well, let's move on to Texas. And representing Texas, we actually have Kim LeBlanc, who, uh, the production consultant for the Texas Film Commission. And representing Texas filmmakers and the film results, we have producer Houston King. Kim LeBlanc has been on staff at the Texas Film Commission since 2009, helping to spread the good word all about all of the wonderful resources available for creative industries in Texas. As a production consultant, she works closely with writers, directors, producers, production designers, studio executives, and community representatives, promoting Texas as a destination for filmmaking, television production, commercials, music videos, and video games. In addition to results, Houston has distributed, sold, and or produced all of Andrew Bujalski's prior features, as well as produced the films Anesthesia, The Beautiful Game, Godspeed and The Trip. In addition, he has licensed and or managed the theatrical distribution of approximately 60 other films, as well as managed the outreach campaign for the documentary Bully. Before entering the movie business, Houston worked in international corporate finance for Lehman Brothers and ING Bearings, a contender in the US dramatic competition at Sundance this year. Results follows the disarray the clients the actions of a new wealthy client causes in the lives of two mismatched personal trainers. So Houston, tell us a little bit more about this movie. Sounds interesting. Tell us a little bit more about it and why, t so does it have to take place in Texas and why did you end up in Texas? Uh, results <coughs> is Andrew's take on the self-improvement culture in America, <coughs> but the both the promise of it and the absurdity of it. And so what, uh, it, it shoehorned into a peculiar romantic comic. And so what Andrew felt would say is that this is one of his most Austin films yet. And uh, we've made three in Austin. Uh, but I, if you've been to Austin, you know it's absurd. Keep it weird. 
and it's also a city that's growing tremendously fast, and so it's full of promise. So I think there's a parallel for Andrew between the, phys the personal trainer's aspects and Austin that he's playing with. And in addition, uh, his wife was eight months pregnant, so we weren't going far from the house. <laughs> so, so this is your th so the third film so far uh, in Texas? That's right. So maybe just talk a little bit more about the, the crews, the, the stages, other infrastructure that producers who might be considering Texas might want to know about. Well, similar to Jeremy, we took a couple of key heads that we'd made a couple of films with, and but hired locally. And as you know, in Austin, from Robert Rodriguez all the way down to Andrew Bajowski and Jeff Nichols and the Zellner brothers and uh, Terrence, there's a whole slew of great directors that are in Austin. And so s subsequently, there's a pretty deep crew as well. Um, I think the challenge for us was with a smaller film with a lot of stars in it, we have a great cast, we're very lucky, is really being able to explain to the crews that this may look like a big film, but it actually there's, this is not a big budget. And we had to do a very good, a very clean job of explaining to them exactly how the budget was allocated and that it wasn't going towards salaries that they weren't getting and being very clear on how the economics of the business has changed. Uh, but we'd had a great crew down there. And then the Austin Film Society is very helpful as well. And we, they've got sound stages there. And while in Texas, the, the tax rebate may not be as high as other states. I feel like they're, it's like having another crew member. It's really helpful from the location aspects and other aspects that have come up in film. And, and we felt like Kim really knew the film and her staff really cared about the film. And whenever we came across a pinch, they were there to help us. So maybe you can talk a little bit more about how the Texas Film Commission assisted you as a producer. Well, the first thing they did was, I think we gave them 35 locations we were looking for, and then I came back, they came back with 35 choices for each that were all super organized, great pictures, contact details, and so it was like having a location manager for free from, right from the bat. And they helped us source other crew when we needed a little bit of help to get Guy Pierce's visa from Australia. They were there in 24 hours to help write a letter and get him uh, into the country. And so I feel like there's a, while the, the rebate's not quite as strong as Louisiana from a financial perspective, they make it up in service. Great. So Kim, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the incentive program. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, as, as Houston said, you know, our program is not as aggressive as others, but it is competitive. And what we make up for in our sheer percentage value, we certainly come to the table with, by the way, of customer service, great crews. And as you had mentioned, too, it's not hard to bring a cast to a fun city like Austin, where everyone has a good you know, experience, crew and cast-wise. Uh, we have deep crew bases. We have a wide range of experienced filmmakers who are dedicated not only to making films in Texas, but also living there. Um, and it's across the state, too. It's not just Austin. Austin obviously has the, the brightest neon flashing light. But, um, you know, San Antonio is an emerging crew base. Uh, Dallas, we see a lot of work up there and some great independent filmmakers like David Lowry. So we, our office is really, you know, covering the entire state, um, providing that and, you know, providing us an incentive that is indie friendly. Our threshold, our minimum threshold for spending is $250,000. And our program is a little bit different in that we're a cash grant. We're not a tax credit or a rebate. 
Um, we, which is nice, especially for independent films, because that provides a lot of certainty when you're going to your financiers. Um, in a somewhat similar vein, regardless of what our appropriation may look like in coming years or who's in the pipeline behind you, once you apply to our program, those funds are earmarked for you. So you have that certainty as well, which is especially important to... Your turnaround time is really bad. Well, thanks. Uh, <laughs> we've been working on that, just like, uh, just like you know, several folks down the line have already mentioned, you know, that was uh, a kink or, you know, some, uh, a bit of a detractor in previous years. Uh, it's one thing to have a competitive incentive program, but if you can't turn it around fast enough to make a difference for people when it counts, then it's not really that competitive, is it? So um, we have an incredible staff and department in our incentive team, and they have been turning things around incredibly quickly. And uh, any kind of backlog that we had had from previous years is now toast. So um, that's great. Um, in addition, I just want to mention that we also offer a 2.5% bump in our office for filming outside the Austin or the Dallas area. I was ask about that. And uh, Texas is a big state, and we have a lot of legislators who do not see as much production as they may want to in their parts of you know the state. And so that's one thing that we do to try to encourage and and you know keep our program alive. Um, what we look at also is sustainability. Our office has been around since 1971. Um, we are, you know, steady wins the game. You know, we don't want to have an incentive percentage that's so high and, you know, aggressive that we can't sustain it. And so, you know, our program exists and it, we play to our strengths. You know, we have um, a lot of independent features filming throughout the state, but we also have a video game component. We have a component for animation. Um, you know, we're always looking at growing our post industries, and uh, I think New York's post rebate is really nifty. Um, if we could do something in the vein of that someday, that would be fantastic. So what percentages can a producer expect in terms of the program, in terms of the benefit? Sure, it's up to 22.5% back on in-state spending, and our program is different in that regard because it is exclusive to in-state spending, and that does include wages to Texas residents above or below the line. So now, so you don't get anything for any non-resident cast or crew? Correct. Okay. In, in addition to that, though, so you mentioned there's the minimum spend component. Is there any other minimum requirements? Absolutely, yeah. So we're very committed. Um, you know, our, our office is very much a workforce development and economic development office. And so if we're not creating jobs for Texans, we can't, you know, verify our existence or, or uh, justify our existence. So we have a local hire component. You need to shoot 60% of your filming days in Texas, and then 70% of your cast and crew need to be Texas residents, and that can include extras. Great. And I think uh, Boyhood, is Boyhood uh, a Texas film? Absolutely, all over Texas. Exactly. So I think <laughs> and all uh, over the uh, I think, Oscars. Uh, <laughs> Texas might be seeing an Academy Award this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we sure hope so. Um, you know, as Houston had kind of mentioned, you know, uh, Texas heart and soul is is independent cinema, and that's why it's such a pleasure to be here at Sundance almost every year with a really fine independent film. Results happens to be the one this year. Um, we've been rooting for Andrew for a long time, and you know it was a pleasure to work with him on Computer Chess too. Um, but it really all started with Rick, you know, um, and he is aside from just being, you know, the patron saint of Texas independent cinema. He 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 does so much more than just that. He is the founder of the Austin Film Society, which creates meaningful opportunities for independent filmmakers all across Texas, not just in Austin. And uh, they've certainly worked a lot to create infrastructure by the way of Austin Studios, um, which is a fantastic facility um, for production. And um, you know, we're just, we're grateful to have him in Texas and 
his dedication along with Robert Rodriguez and Terrence Malick and David Gordon Green, now one of our recent additions, you know, we, we have become kind of a director magnet. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I think it's all, it all goes back to Slacker. So, so Houston, <laughs> let me ask you in terms of, is there anything else you might want to share with filmmakers in the audience in terms of what keeps you coming back to Texas that we haven't already said? Well, Andrew does. Uh, you know, they've worked with him for a long time. Uh, but similar to what Jeremy said about shooting New Orleans, um, Guy Pierce said, who was our lead in results, he said this was one of the most pleasurable shoots and places to stay that he's ever had. And so Austin is a great place to have somebody spend four to six weeks. Great. Well, we're going to move on to, to California, and I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Instead of um, talking about Northern and Sou Southern California separately, I'm actually going to kind of combine uh, the conversation since we've got uh, three great producers and we've got Susanna representing the San Francisco Film Commission. So I'll just say quickly that we've got Susanna Robbins, Executive Director of the San Francisco uh, Film Commission on the panel with us, and then representing the, Cal uh, the California filmmakers in the film, The Diary of a Teenage Girl, we have the producer Amanda Marshall, and in addition to that, we've got producers uh, Bonnie Curtis and Julie Lin, who are representing the film, The Last Days in the Desert. Susanna became executive director of the San Francisco Film Commission and has been very active in finding ways to bring more filming to California and San Francisco and was instrumental in creating a rally to show support for the expanded California film tax credit in Northern California. Amanda was previously the head of the production at Ambush Entertainment. There she produced Answers to Nothing and co-produced a number of films including The River Why, Every Day, and James Gunn's Super. Amanda is currently VP at Cold Iron Pictures, where she has most recently executive produced Time Out of Mind, starring Richard Gere. The 2015 Sundance selection, The Diary of a Teenage Girl, directed by Marielle Heller and starring Belle Powley, Alexander Skarsgård, and Kristen Wiig, tells the story of a 15-year-old aspiring comic artist involved in a scandalous affair in the haze of 1970 San Francisco. Bonnie got her start in the film business as Steven Spielberg's production assistant. Transitioning into a production role and her credits during this time included Artificial Intelligence, Minority Report, and Saving Private Ryan, for which she was awarded the prestigious Producer of the Year Award from the Producers Guild of America. Bonnie then made the jump to independent features and produced The Chum Scrubber before partnering with Julie Lin at Mockingbird Pictures. Julie formed Mockingbird Pictures in the summer of 1999 with Bonnie Curtis joining in 2011. Mockingbird Pictures is currently awaiting release of Victor Levin's 5 to 7. Recent releases for Mockingbird include Albert Knobs, which was nominated for three Academy Awards, The Face of Love and Mother and Child premiering at Sundance, Last Days in the Desert, and Imagine Chapter from Jesus' 40 Days in the Desert, towards the end of his journey, Jesus struggles with the devil over the fate of a family, a family in crisis. So one of the reasons I thought I'd co combine the two films is one of the things that we were chatting just before we started was Julie was mentioning, I understand the San Francisco Film Commissioner's here and we have a film we're shooting right now that we actually need to go back up to San Francisco and get the Golden Gate Bridge. And I'm like, why separate these conversations? It's, it's all about California. And I think it's interesting because I think um, Kim brought this up and I think also John did, is that it's really important that when we, we look at film production that it's, that it's not centric in one sort of large city like New York City or like Austin or, or like Los Angeles. And 
in California, we struggled for a while to get the incentive sort of revitalized, and a lot of the pushback came from Northern California because they really didn't see the benefit. And I think seeing more and more film up in Northern California it will be a good thing because it'll actually show some economic impact up there. So I'll, I'll go to, to Amanda, and similar to a question that I asked uh, Celine, San Francisco, very critical to your story. Was there ever a thought in your mind, whether creatively or financial reasons, that you thought of shooting this elsewhere? No, and on a lot of my previous films, that was the a major component was go where the incentives is. You've changed a script that was set in Los Angeles to New York in order to access the incentive. Um, but this one was that was never going to happen. Um, it's based on a graphic novel called The Diary of a Teenage Girl, which was set in San Francisco, and you can't really, you can't, we could never have recreated that. And um, Mari, the director. Um, is from the area, and it, there was never any discussion to shoot anywhere but San Francisco. And where in San Francisco did you did you, did you actually film? Um, we were kind of all over the place. We uh, were in, actually, we were in Oakland for a little bit. We were in The Hate. We were we were um, in Golden Gate Park. We were kind of everywhere. Yeah, we were at Petra Hills. We were, we moved around, actually. And the reason I ask is because Celine mentioned that she had to shoot in the Lower East Side, and she actually had to make it gritty again, because uh, actually New York City has changed so much. Was that a similar experience? Um, Haiti Asbury hasn't we changed were, much. So we were pretty lucky. Yes. <laughs> unique um, Very unique. Things look pretty similar. Um, yes. Occasionally, we would put something in front of, you know, there was like one modern building, and you know, you'd try to put a big VW bus there or something. Um, but yeah, we were pretty lucky, just street signs, really. But um, for the most part, we could walk in and shoot. So, so Bonnie and Julie, talk a little bit more about your movie in terms of uh, where, in your, where in California did you shoot and were other locations considered as, as possible locations creatively or for financial reasons? Really? <laughs> yeah, we considered a lot of places. We actually, uh, we budgeted out going to Israel. We looked at other places outside the country, but once we decided we wanted to stay close to home, Rodrigo, our director, and our first AD, John McEwen, went on a road trip, a bro trip, we kept calling it, because <laughs> they, would, they, would, they would send us little pictures of themselves all over the place. And they found this incredible park, uh, Anza Borrego, which is even past Palm Springs from LA, and it looks like another planet, practically. Wow. And we shot there. Great. But if we had not gotten off the queue, you know, obviously we were on the wait list for the tax incentive, and if we had not gotten off the queue, that would have really impacted our ability to to make the film at all. Great. So maybe I'll jump to Susanna and talk a little bit more about the California program because effective this year, primarily J July 1st, there are some significant changes. So maybe touch about how the old program worked because so Julie was mentioning the old program had a lottery system that didn't provide a lot of certainty, but the new rules actually have changed that quite a bit. So highlight some of those changes if you could. Sure. Well, first of all, the old program was limited to 100 million per year and now it's been boosted to 330 million per year. So there's a bigger pool of money to draw from. Previously, it was a lottery system, and uh, you put in your uh, budget uh, proposal uh, early in June, and it was received, and then you were given the tax credit. You had to start within six months of receiving it, or else you lost it and it moved to someone else who was on the waiting list. Um, now, there are going to be actually two times to apply for the um, state tax credit in May uh, is for television, and uh, sometime this summer, and I don't have the date yet, is going to be for features 
both India and studio. But correct me if um, in April, there's, they're accepting applications under the, the old program, under the, old program. Under the lottery system. Yes. And that's going to be for film and television. Yes, yes. So there's actually a lot of opportunity this year <laughs> to tap into various sources. Um, and some of the other things that have changed is that um, if you shoot outside the LA zone, uh, now there's a 5% bump in the credits. So uh, for features and for television, there was a 20% tax credit, and now it's 25% if you shoot outside the LA zone. Can we access that retroactively? That would be really useful for us. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I, no. I wish on this <laughs> behalf of the state of California I could say yes, but uh, unfortunately not. No. Um, and then uh, the other thing for larger budget films is that in the past there was a cap that you couldn't even apply if your budget was over 75 million and now they've eliminated that cap and uh, the first 100 million dollars is um, eligible for the 20 or 25 percent tax credit. But I guess the good news for an independent film producer is that California is 25 percent and that it's transferable because otherwise yes. it's a non-refundable, non-transferable credit, so you have to be a California taxpayer. So, but yes. independent producers are able to sell that credit, correct? They are, they are. So, so Bonnie, as somebody who's produced some pretty large budget films, maybe you can talk a little bit more about the financing thoughts that go into financing an independent film. <laughs> Whole new ball of wax. Um, therefore, the partnership with Julie Lynn. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Uh, Putting these independent films together is a is different on every excursion. I, you know, I literally could take what Celine said about New York and cut and paste it and insert California. It's how Julie and I feel about shooting in California. You know, the um, the depth of crew that we have there and the quality we can put on screen for a lesser amount of money. Um, you know, we're kind of addicted to. And, um, you know, on something, Julie and I did uh, an Annette Benning film called The Face of Love. And it's now it's been three years ago. And we, you know, Annette wanted to stay in L.A. with her family. So we were literally in the queue. We're so relieved that that system is, that part of the system is going away. But we were literally in the queue for, you know, several months, hoping, hoping, hoping. And then the moment we got the, the credit, our private equity group was ready to make the movie. Um, so that was really, that was the tipping point for us. The credit was crucial. I think of uh, getting the credit as getting an actor. You know, it's almost as valuable in packaging these independent films and putting the financing together. And did you see how everyone nodded? <laughs> yeah. Um, but we got, uh, we have a little film, the film we're going up to San Francisco to shoot, um, we, got, uh, we got, we were in the queue for that and got the credit. And the moment we got the credit, I mean, this is a little million dollar budget. That's an enormous boost um, for our financiers, but also for the quality of the film itself. It just puts us in a whole different zone, a makeable zone. Um, but I was talking to John uh, right before we started, um, and he wanted me to mention this, so I'm going to, <laughs> because he's my friend. First of all, he's amazing. But, um, but secondly, uh, you know, we, We've been, we submit probably eight to ten projects a year. You know, we have, we have a lot of scripts and we have, um, you know, different attachments and we submit for the tax credit. And we have been very fortunate to get it on three of our films over the course of the last six years. But we also received it on a television show 
that we are um, involved in, and we had to decline it because um, the show is with A&E, a public company, a publicly right. owned company. And so we're just like, oh, oh. But it, it was sort of, it, John is correct. It is an example of a huge corporation not benefiting from something that at the same time our little independent film is benefiting from. Right. So. But the, but the good news is, again, for California, I don't know if Susanna touched on this, but under the new rules for TV, it's, it's actually going to be allowed for all television, where before, yeah. so, this, so, so network television, not just, um, right now the current rules is syndication, syndicated TV, basic cable, and relocating television series. Yes. Going forward, it's going to be everything, so everything. it's great. Mm -hmm. So Julie, talk a little bit more about this, the, your current project, how you, know, you were in the queue, right? You were actually weren't even sure you were going to get the credit on this project? Correct. The one that we're getting ready the, to shoot. The one at Sundance for? Uh, yeah, the one we're at Sundance for. We, it's a very ambitious project for a limited amount of money. And really, the be getting off the queue and getting the incentive paid for all the travel and living that we had to do to get everybody outside the zone. So in a way, it was difficult. It would have been great to have a bump for being outside the zone. But it actually, at the same time, we were really grateful for it because it made it possible. Right. Because when, we, when you shoot in Anza Borrego, there's... I mean, crew base. There's no, there's nothing. Right. The they town don't even have a stoplight. Yeah. <laughs> the mayor of the town hands a stoplight to the next mayor of the town when there's an election and say, "This can only be with you. It's not allowed to be erected in the city." <laughs> and so we really we had to take an entire crew down there, and without the incentive, we couldn't. There's no way we could have afforded to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. And Bonnie brought up a really great point that I think we've touched on a little bit, but it's great that all these states and countries offer incentives, but there's sometimes a cost associated with going after these incentives, whether bringing in crew that might not be available or bringing in equipment. So again, you know, I know California had struggled a bit in terms of even before having an incentive, but they always had the crew. They always had the infrastructure. Well, and and that's always a benefit that has to get factored into the, to the financing plan. I would also say, and Celine touched on this as well for New York, and we had a great experience shooting in New York as well with five to seven, although we're still waiting for that credit. We finished shooting a couple years ago. <laughs> um, but, but I will say there's a, there's a non-financial non benefit as well to being in probably New York City for them and being near Los Angeles for us, which is we really believe that most of our crew, they have families. And it is, it is really destructive for everybody to leave, to leave their families for extended periods of time. Now for us, it might not be such a big deal because our movies are so small that the amount of time we spend away is actually not that extensive. But there is, I think it's really important for us all to remember that there is a reason why we get people who do $100 million movies that work on our few million dollar movies because they do get to stay in their own homes and they get to be with people they love and with their community. And I think the same is happening also in Louisiana now with people living there and in Texas with the Austin Film Hub. I, I'm not saying it's justice, but I also think it's important not to leave that out, that there's a non-financial incentive Absolutely. to being in a, in a hub where people can be with the people they love. So Amanda, going back to your experience in San Francisco, just maybe, because I also wanted Susanna to talk a little bit about the San Francisco incentive as well, but just talk a little bit more about the crew and everything else that you were able to tap into while filming in San Francisco. Yeah, I, we had a great crew, but it, I wouldn't say that it was easy because um, there's a lot of commercial production in San Francisco and they pay a lot more than we were. Um, but we were lucky because the crew just fell in love with the project. And so we had some really wonderful people on board um, who were there for, for the art and um, for that project and for the love of it. Um, 
And because they normally make a lot more money, <laughs> they could, and we were not going to be shooting for very long, they could make less and work with us. Um, and then the commission was so great. And what was great too was with the incentive, we were able to, um, it's 100% back on anything that you're, any sort of city property or anything. So we set our production office on Treasure Island and we shot on Treasure Island and all of that was, you know, 100% rebatable, which was fantastic. Um, and we really tried to maximize it that way, you know, just what could we do that was going to be part of the incentive that, you know, would work for us. And Treasure Island was a great resource. Um, for us in particular, um, we got a lot out of that. And yeah, I mean, we didn't get the overall state rebate um, credit, but. So you, you didn't get the, the state credit then? No, we only accessed San Francisco. And I mean, we were always going to shoot there, no matter what. I actually didn't even know about the San Francisco component until this movie. But did you um, apply for the state and you were just in the queue, or did you not? You know, I, I think it was just time, you know, bad timing. But, okay. um, but yeah. We were always going to shoot there, but it definitely made it a lot easier because okay. we were a pretty small movie. So Suzanne, maybe you can just talk really briefly about the, uh, the old lottery program, which is still technically in effect for about $100 million, which it's kind of funny to say only $100 million, but for $100 million, then you have the new rules, which really will be applying this job ratio component, yeah. which hasn't really been fully fleshed out, but maybe you can touch on how there will be a big distinction between old and new. Um, well, the lot was so basically, so we had the old program was a lottery program, so. Right, so June, the old yeah. program was lottery, and now the new one is going to be based on a jobs ratio. And to be honest, when I asked the head of the California Commission to explain that further, she said, well, we're still trying to work out all the details of this, so I don't have as much information to offer you about that. Um, I would suggest to keep checking with the California um, Film Commission about all the details on that. Um, but I do think that this program is going to be able to um, allow producers to be more certain about Exactly. Their That's really what I wanted you to say. Yeah. It, it, it brings a lot more certainty to it. used to be unknown, and now it's like, right. yes, I'll be able to access that. Um, and then can I speak a little bit to our Please. incentive? Absolutely. So San Francisco uh, has our own incentive that we offer productions. And it's um, if you're under $3 million and you shoot 55% of your film in the 49 square miles of San Francisco, where if you're over three million and you shoot 65% in the city, you get a rebate on any fees that you pay to the city of San Francisco. That can cover your um, police officer fees, street closure fees, permits with our office, um, and even uh, stage and production off space, office space costs. So in the past, it had to be city-owned um, production in stage space, but because uh, San Francisco is a small city and we were running out of city-owned space, we amended the program last year to make it so that my office can actually go out and rent a commercial space and turn around and rent it to you all, and then that cost falls under the rebate. So um, if we don't have something over on Treasure Island or at the port where we used to put productions all the time, then we can also work with you to find another space and rebate that cost to the production. So um, it's been very helpful for films like Diary and other smaller independent films we also had um, HBO's Looking shoot the past two seasons in San Francisco, largely because of our rebate program. So I want to go back to Bonnie and, and to Julie one more time, because I guess in your current, you have a current project you're in production with? Yes. Right. And you're in prep. Because so, I know you had asked the question is there about retro, getting things sort of retroactively, but under the new rules, I guess California, nothing 
qualifies unless you start production on or after July 1st. So you're, you're not expecting to get anything from the state program for this current film? Oh, you're, you're in there. Okay. Oh, great. Oh, great. Okay. Oh, got you. Got you. With you. Okay. And again, so I guess now you spend a couple of days in San Francisco for your current film. So going back to, to San Francisco, is there a minimum spend or to get the program? There's no minimum spend. It's just an actual amount of days that you're shooting. So that's the requirement. So again, if it's over 3 million, 65% of your shooting days need to be in San Francisco. And if it's under 3 million, 55% of your shooting days of the whole film need to be in the city. Great. Well, we're almost out of time. What I, what I want to do real quickly is do a, a round table and ask the filmmakers and their, their partners to sort of, a, a sort of tell the audience, is there anything else as independent filmmakers that you'd like to share with the audience, whether it was specific to this current film or just your experiences in general? So I'm just going to hand the microphone down and we'll just discuss that. OK, great. So I'll, we'll start with, uh, with, uh, with Julie and Bonnie at the other end, if you don't mind. Go see Last Days in the Desert when it comes out in theaters later this year and pray tonight that we sell it. So it's really important that the films get sold, distributed, which is key. And I will say that because there's still so much uncertainty about the way the new California tax credit is going to work and also those of us who make smaller movies, even though films 10 and under will be considered part of the, the indie part and there will be 10% reserved for, or is it 10% reserved? 10% yes. reserved for us. There is still time to talk to the film commission Absolutely. and advocate for how that's going to happen. For instance, what we don't want to have happen is for all the films that are $9 million and so they provide more jobs to completely push out all the films that are smaller, um, which is kind of how it's looking like it could happen. So I would just, my last point would be, I think if, if you are interested in making movies in California, it would be great to advocate with, with your legislators or with the tax commission for figuring out a way to not penalize small independent films. Great. Amanda? I totally agree with that because that's okay. a major concern of mine. We, I have not been able to shoot a lot of films in California. We generally go where the incentive is because when you're shooting a small movie, you have to get back as much as you possibly can. And the new tax credit kind of scares me because I feel like it's going to even make it less likely. I've been lucky as I've, I have the credit for a film that we're looking to do in the summer and I have gotten it previously. So it's so wonderful when you can stay close to home and when you can access that. And there's so many obviously great resources and wonderful crew and wonderful locations. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just gonna second everything that Julie just said because um, I would like to stay home. I have a family too. <laughs> so it would be great to be able to great. shoot more in California. Houston? Can I just add oh, one please. thing about our program? Um, ours is also um, available to combine with the state tax credit. So it's not one or the other. If you shoot in San Francisco and you've gotten the state tax credit, you can still access our rebate. Wonderful. Houston? Um, I think I would just add on to the point that these tax credits and the, the, the rebates are just as important as the actor, maybe not even more, because you can actually put a number on it and that the devil's in the details. It's got to be a part of your financing plan, but how long it takes to get that money back, how you get that money back, how you broker it, the devil's in the details and you got to really think it all the way through. Um, I, would, I would just say that film commissions are your friend, friends. Um, 
don't hesitate to ever reach out on any kind of project, especially to our office at the Texas Film Commission. Um, we see independent film and independent filmmakers as an investment. Um, we're not just there for the big guys. So, um, and I know many people on this panel share that sentiment as well. So, uh, yeah. Thank you. Jeremy? I'd just echo how mission critical these, these credits play into the financing structure. You know, they, half these films wouldn't exist without them. And, and the sustainability of, of the programs, you know, the long term, knowing that they're going to be there for a long time is, is super important. You know, there's always the fashionable credit. Everybody chases this place and they chase that place. But going to a place where there is a real crew base and real experience and real actor base is, is extremely important. Great. Carol? Um, I would like to um, speak to the, um, the stability of the Louisiana tax credits. Um, our tax credits have remained stable, and we look forward to them remaining stable in the future. Um, it has allowed us to grow an incredible crew base and uh, offer a lot to productions. And also the city of New Orleans itself, which is, in my opinion, one of the great cities. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful city that um, people seem to embrace when they come to shoot, and uh, it's been an, an easy fit for the, um, for the film industry. Thanks. John? Yeah, I, I just think there's a bit of a misconception out there that big studios and networks are eating up all of these incentives everywhere, and Bonnie said something really, really interesting that, was, that you should have picked up on, which is three of her projects actually got, got in the queue and actually were, were um, eligible for a credit. And you know they just released, that, that kind of puts in perspective what I'm about to share with you, they just released the numbers for Sundance and over 8,000 films were submitted to Sundance for what, 134 slots, something like that. And I'm pretty sure that all the studios combined did not make 8,000 movies in the last 10 years collectively. So clearly independent cinema is where the strength is in our industry right now. And I think the, all of these incentives really are geared toward helping the independent filmmaker. Celine? Um, for anyone looking to make films in New York, I would encourage filmmakers to go to um, New York Love Fil Loves Films. It's a great website, very comprehensive and extremely helpful for filmmakers. And I just want to end before I do the wrap up is John said something a number of years ago that I continue to quote, that it's fiscally irresponsible for any producer today to make a, a, a project that doesn't utilize an incentive or at least seriously consider utilizing an incentive. There used to be a, a federal incentive that expired a year or so ago. It may or may not come back, but there's just so much available out there that, and there's so many people that can help producers sort of identify those opportunities. So again, I do, I quote John all the time in terms of that, because that, there are so many producers out there that just don't think they qualify. So it's always important as producers to just look to see what's out there in terms of available cash. So on that point, I just want to thank Variety 411, EP Financial Solutions, the Producers Guild of America, the Association of Film Conditions International, and Oakwood Worldwide, but more importantly, John and Celine, Carol and Jeremy, Kim and Houston, uh, Susanna, Amanda, Bonnie, and Julie, and thank you all. Enjoy the festival. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Really great. Thank you.